Jesus is good, amen. It's wonderful. And I uh, need to have, have a time where we just come away from the, the hustle and bustle of the week and meet, to, meet together and, 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 and focus on who he is. Welcome to you online. Welcome to you whānau here this morning. And uh, look, I read in a recent listener article where uh, the writer, he quotes a psychiatrist speaking about the pressure of modern life and how it leaves us depleted and vulnerable to mental health problems. And he notes that our usual methods of restoring our energy, our well-being batteries, vegging out, binge-watching, binge-whatever, aren't leaving us feeling restored. And so the answer, according to this medical professional, isn't wandering off into the wilderness or sitting on a mountaintop, but rather, this is what he says, to seek out unstructured time with friends, family, and others. Or in a sense, you're unplugging, I suppose. Now, the article goes on to refer to a book uh, entitled The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. And, it's, uh, and the study director, Robert Waldinger, boils the recipe for happiness down to two things. Here's what the secular research says. The secret to happiness comes down to two things. Staying healthy, having meaningful relationships. So the writer of the article concludes with these words. Here's my prescription for happiness. Reach out and connect with someone. Sounds simple, eh? Reach out and connect with someone. If Waldinger is right, it will lay a foundation for more happiness and it might just save your life. Fascinating to ponder. That's part of the discussion that's going on in the world around us today. Now, that's a finding from secular research. But I think it reflects a deeper biblical truth about us as human beings created in the image of God and our need for genuine warmth and connection with God and with one another. And so that's where I want to go this morning. Look, um, I recall once where I was going through a really difficult time. My confidence had taken a knock. Um, there was anxiousness uh, about the uncertainty of the future. In the present, there was all sorts of change and turmoil going on. And, you know, like it or not, as much as you, you cling in faith and you trust God, the pressures just cause questions to arise, questions of identity, questions of self-worth, questions of purpose. And I was feeling pretty low. And so I was talking with my wife, Rachel, uh, about the pressure of it all. And she encouraged me. She said, Simon, you need to press into God. You know, words that could easily be sort of a throwaway theological bumper sticker stuff that you just pass on as you're walking past. Hey, you need to press into God, you know. These were words that were genuine and heartfelt from someone who I know walks that talk. She said, Simon, you need to press into God. And in pressing into God, you will find your uh, security, your peace, your identity. You need to press into God, she said. Now, what I found most interesting is in that time, those words, you need to press into God, Rachel and I meant two different things. So for Rachel, for my wife, it means going away to a solitary place, putting on some worship music, and spending time with God there. And so she would pray, she would, she would fill her mind with, with God's words and thoughts and seek to get a heavenly perspective. She would bring her requests before God and she would hear from God in that place. That, that, that's what pressing into God meant for Rachel in that moment. For me, it meant something quite different. I thought, yeah, I need to press into God. I need to go and catch up with a brother. I need to get out of my aloneness 
and the spiraling thoughts and the swirling emotions, and I need to go and sit with a brother and be open and, 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 and get that encouragement. And in the midst of our meeting together in openness and love, God will speak and I will hear from him. And because uh, that's often how, how it's, it's worked for me. You know, we're engaged in this series uh, that Pastor Sheridan has, has, this wonderful series that he's encouraged us to, to go on the journey with of Closer, in which we're spending time reflecting on ways of connecting with God in deeper intimacy. And traditionally, the ways of growing closer with God, they're known as the spiritual disciplines. And so when we think of spiritual disciplines, uh, things like reading the Bible, praying, fasting, we tend to think of them in individualistic terms. They're things that I do on my own. Uh, you know, so at the moment, in my devotional life, I, I pray whether that's at home or I'm in the car or, or I set aside time and a place or, or I read the Bible and I'm reading devotionals or I journal. You know, I journal and I, and, and I just write down how I'm feeling and, and, and you know, my, my concerns and, and I bring my requests before God and it's sort of, moves like Psalms do towards praise and I thank him and I, I journal, I write it down sometimes just to get it out and, and to put it down. And those sorts of practices are important, they're good, they're beneficial, they're, they're excellent, but they're also performed on my own. Uh, and that's all good, but there's also a communal element or dimension to spiritual practices and, and fellowship, such a key biblical term, koinonia, I'd like to explore that a bit more this morning, far enough, that's cool. So if you would journey with me on that. John Wesley, the great John Wesley, he preached that Christianity is essentially a social religion and to turn it into a solitary one is to destroy it. So our faith is a social one. We've got, we got to get that balance, eh? Right. Uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, thank you, Mia. The apostle Peter urges Christians everywhere to love the family of believers to love the family of believers. For Peter, the church is, is family, brothers and sisters, and we're called into intimate fellowship with the family of God. So we know this. We weren't designed to journey through this world on our own. We just weren't, we just weren't made that way. Funny, all, all my heroes growing up were guys like, you know, they were, they were characters played by Dirty Harry and John Wayne, guys who didn't need any help, you know? And so you grow up with this warped view of what life's like rather than actually, you know, we, we, we need to be able to help one another. It's how we were created, part of being created in the image of the triune God. Uh, in order for us to grow, we all need other people who will affirm us, amen? Encourage us, care for us, forgive us, and where we can experience unconditional love like God's love. Uh, I love the words of Christian writer Max Licata. He writes in a book called uh, Fearless, uh, imagine your life without fear. This is what he says. He says, thank you, Mia. Christ distributes courage through community. He dissipates doubts through fellowship. He never deposits all knowledge in one person, but distributes pieces of the jigsaw to many. Imagine they're trying to do a jigsaw, but I, we, all, we all got three or four of the pieces. So we, we, we need each other. He carries on. When you interlock your understanding with mine, and we share our discoveries, when we mix, mingle, confess, and pray, Christ speaks. Think about that. When we meet together and we share our lives, Christ speaks. I was fascinated. Um, Aileen shared uh, communion in um, 
the 9am gathering. And thank you, uh, Naomi, for um, sharing too around the Lord's table with us today. This idea of communion. So we share around the Lord's table. We break bread and, and we remember the Lord. Um, but that word communion, I just, just felt to look it up and it was interesting. I found a dictionary definition that says communion is um, the sharing and exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings with another. And, and, and you think of that, you know, the, the, the degrees of intimacy. So, hey, hey, the rugby was all right last night, eh? Oh, yeah, I'm going all right. Oh, yeah, things have been a bit tough. Mate, I'm quite scared, and we, could I get you to come and pray with me? See the, see the layers you go through to get to that place of sharing. When we meet together in fellowship, Christ speaks. When we can find his presence, we can hear his voice. And this fellowship with one another, it can take place in larger gatherings like this. It can take place in prayer meetings. It can take place in Bible studies. And that's good. The writer of Hebrews challenges us. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing in that place of persecution that they were experiencing at that time. But the, the uh, fellowship that I want to talk about this morning, as excellent as that, that uh those larger gatherings are. The fellowship that I want to reflect on is much smaller in scope. It's a more personal connection between intimates. In my mind, I call it catching up with a brother. Um, and so whether we're catching up with brothers or sisters, when we meet together in loving acceptance and connection, we can experience God's love and presence and power. The, the commandments of loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbor are very close together. They are very close. And so to Totoko Max Licardo's earlier words, I've often found that in such intimate encounters with members of the family of God, Christ speaks. True fellowship begins when we can bring ourselves authentically and openly to the conversation, free to take off any masks and pretense and be honest with one another. Uh, Tan and Greg, in a, in, in a book uh, called The Disciplines of the Holy Spirit, they write, when we are willing to be open with others about our personal problems and needs, risking shock or rejection. And when we are willing for others to be equally open with us, we find ourselves at the foot of the cross, the place of God's healing and grace. The writer of the Hebrews, thank you, Mia, uh, in Hebrews 3, verses 12 to 14, he encourages the believers. He says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So that you and I look to our own hearts in that. Then he goes on to say this, but encourage one another daily. Or the Good News Bible says, you must help one another every day so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Really interesting, There's a, this passage focuses on the individual looking to themselves, but also to others. So notice this passage doesn't just say, pull your socks up, sort yourselves out. But the charge ultimately doesn't fall on the drifting believer, the believer who's struggling, whose heart is hardening under the pressure of life. They're, they're not called to get themselves back on, on the path. Rather, the charge comes to the wider community. When the brother or sister who's struggling or drifting or finds their heart hardening, uh, when they're struggling, we're called to be so close to them, so aware of them, to be so regularly in touch with them that we can perceive the drift and help him or her to fight the effects of sin. 
So we help the struggling person by being present and speaking words of grace and truth in the hope that the Spirit will strengthen them and help bring them back onto that narrow path. But again, the life of being led in the Spirit is a balance between my individual responsibility and living as part of community. Uh, what does Galatians say? Um, each of us should bear our own burdens and uh, bear one another's burdens. It's a tension to be held. So the Bible teaches us that we are a means of grace to one another. I can experience God's grace through your meeting me face to face. When we meet face to face in love and humility and honesty, we can help one another. We can resist sin. We can draw closer to God in a very sacred space where two or three are gathered. There I am in the midst. We can rejoice and celebrate together. I can confess and be challenged. Uh, I can have my thinking corrected. I can be encouraged when I'm down. Uh, and we can offer the blessing of presence and support also in hard times and suffering. And so just as an example, I want to reflect on that a little bit more this morning, the comfort of presence and suffering and hard times. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to the Roman believers in Romans 12, verse 15. He says, uh, he calls for us to mourn with those who mourn. New Living Translation says, to weep with those who weep. Rabbi Elliot Kukla once described a woman with a brain injury who would sometimes fall to the floor. And, and people around her would rush to get her back on her feet. But it was sort of before she was quite ready. And um, she told Kukla, I think people rush to help me up because they're so uncomfortable with seeing an adult lying on the floor. But what I really need is someone to get down on the ground with me. We all need someone to get down on the ground with us. I have literally had people get down on the ground with me. And at the heart of our faith is not a God who sits atop the mount of heaven, who calls for us to struggle our way to prove ourselves to him, but a God who has drawn near and come down to us in the incarnation and has sent his son who has come down to get on the ground with us in order to lift us up to be with him. So it's at the very heart of our faith, the son of man who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Look, for me, I, I, I recall... It was a shock for me when my father died. I was heartbroken almost 12 years ago, and I, I still feel his absence keenly. Um, I can remember being aware of my body going into shock because we just, we just didn't expect it. And uh, I can remember I didn't eat for three days. And I remember emerging on that third day, and uh, Anne Bevan had dropped off a, a lasagna, and I being, remember being so moved that she, she dropped off this, this lasagna. I ate the whole thing cold, <laughs> you know? But being so, yeah. But yeah, well, it was three days, you know? <laughs> Had to break my fast. But it was, you know, it was, um, it was a time of, of great upheaval. And I remember, I remember a brother coming around uh, to get me out of the house. And boy, I, I wasn't in a good way. And so it was silent. We, he took me out for dinner. It was silent on the drive. And then we went to this place and we had a steak dinner. And we sat in silence as we ate the meal. I remember looking up at him at one stage and saying, sorry, mate, this, yeah, this must be hard. I ate the meal because I just didn't feel like speaking. And then we went and watched a movie. It was the Green Lantern. It was terrible. <laughs> one of the worst movies ever made. 
it really was bad. I, we were sitting, I was sitting there going, this is terrible. And then, and then we drove home in silence. And, you know, I, it would be very easy for my mate to see that evening as a failure. There was no visible lift in my spirits. There were no revitalizing words of wisdom to draw me from the depths of my grief. But he had been there. To use Rabbi Cookler's words, he had gotten down on the ground with me. And between you and I, he's been there many, many times since. Um, I've always appreciated, there's a, there's a Maori saying in value, he ka nuhi ikitia. It means a face seen. In the West, we value words so much that we've got to say words. But, but for indigenous cultures, often in times of grief, here's the thing. I may not recall what you say, but I saw you were there. I saw your face. He ikitia, a face seen. I can remember being at my dad's funeral. I can't really remember what people said. A lot of people came up and said stuff. I can't remember what they said, but I saw their faces. I saw people, you know, grabbing a tea towel and helping out in the kitchen or just patting me on the shoulder, not knowing what to say. I saw their faces. Nothing can really replace the fact of someone actually being present, being seen in a time of grief. Here's the thing. It's easy to pull back from people who are grieving or suffering. I think in the West, we struggle with lament. The bulk of the Psalms are lament, but Western culture, we don't really do lament. We like, we like the positive and the victorious, and that's part of the story. But we, don't, we struggle a bit with lament. You know, oh, what should I say? Oh, they're going through a hard time. Should I go around or not? And now we've left it a bit long. Oh, now it's even more awkward. And then sadly, we often end up putting it all in the too hard basket and avoiding people. And so to this end, I have found Philip Yancey's work uh, invaluable for myself and for supporting those going through hard times. Here's what he says. Hear this. He says, it is not our words or insights that suffering people want most. It is our mere presence. It matters little what we say. Our concern and availability matter far more. I'll say that again. It is not our words or our insights that they want most. It is our mere presence. It matters little what we say. Our concern and availability matter far more. Do you remember when um, my wife miscarried? And we were just, you know, we hadn't, this was the first time that um, we were expecting to have a child. And, you know, we were, we, were, we were gutted. And I remember one time just having a mate, he just came in and sat on the couch, played the guitar, sat there for about an hour, read the room that it wasn't really time to talk, and then got up and left. But he was there. Another time he took me out, and we, we, we talked openly and honestly about my grappling with God in the midst of it all. And we had a real sort of great discussion. Another time he picked me up for a drive, he said, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. You want to get something to eat? Oh, I don't know. Should we go to Raglan? Oh, I don't know. And we just went for a drive. But he was there. He was there. In his presence, he was with me. Mourning with me in my mourning. Loving presence in the midst of suffering. It's just an example of this intimate fellowship that I'm talking about. And here's the thing. In the midst of all of with those those, those, those brothers who were with me in that time, I felt the love of God. I felt the nearness of God because of what they did. I've had brothers sit with me in the silence of grief, grapple with me in my questions. And I know myself, I can be led by the Holy Spirit in silence or speaking as I seek to support people. I may not know, or well, my, my brother may not know what to say, but my brother's physical presence, his availability can communicate God's love and minister grace for me 
in a time of need. As he loved me, I felt God's love. As my brother sat close with me, I felt closer with God. It's an example of that Christ speaks in the midst of our sharing and doing life together. You know, the relationships, you know, the relationships like the one I've just shared with you, they don't just happen, eh? Uh, you, 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 uh, you learn to trust each other over time. You don't just, bam, here's my deepest, darkest secrets. Blah. You know, you open up slowly and the relationship deepens in intimacy as you share your lives. And, and, and you know, you spend time also in the mundane, chatting about life, you know, catching up for a feed, going and watching your kids, you know, kids play sports. Ordinary everyday stuff, we just do life together. But as I learned that my brother had my back and could be trusted, I'd share a bit more and a bit more. Until in some cases, in the case of this particular brother, 30 years later, I have a brother with whom I can share anything and everything. And in that sort of relationship, Christ speaks. Because I've learned to stop performing. When I meet there, I'm not Pastor Simon. I'm Simon. I'm a guy grappling with life, sitting with my brother. And, 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 and in that place, you can feel closer to God as, as your brother responds with the values of the kingdom. I was once uh, reading about men's health in New Zealand. I came across an article interviewing Ricky Sioni of Talanga Counseling. And he was speaking on the importance of community and friendships. And Sione uses a boxing analogy. And he says a boxer has a couple of people in his corner, like a coach or a medic, and they play specific roles uh, in the corner, in his life. And so whatever happens in the ring, no matter how beat up he gets, he knows he can come back to the corner, he can come back to his corner, and trust who's in his corner. And so he encourages us to find who's in our corner and in whose corner we're in. And so that leads me to ask, yeah, who's in my corner? When I'm beat up by life and grappling, yes, I turn to the Lord. Yes, of course. But he also requires me to live in, in, in community with his children. And that's part of how he ministers grace into our lives. And so when I feel myself sort of knocked around by the, by the uh, circumstances of life, when I come back to my corner, who's there? Who can, I, who can I sit there with and, 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 and speak? Who's, whose corner can, am, am I sitting in ready with a towel and a drink bottle and the words, come on, you can do this. You can do this. You're all right. No, no, you can do this. So whose corner am I in? God works through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. As a means to transform us, to challenge us and to help us to grow and mature and draw closer to him. God has gifted us one another in his family as the church. We are a means of God's grace to one another. And so I found as I sit with my brother face to face in a space and openness and honesty that I draw closer to God, I hear his voice. John 3.16 tells us that God has drawn near to us. God loved this world so much that he sent his son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Christ, Jesus, the son, loved his father, loves his father. 
And when he walked this earth, loved his father, loved being with his father, loved getting away to spend time with his father because that's where he drew the power and the strength to do what he needed to do. Everything was about his connection with the father. And so he longed to be close to him. And now through his life and his death and his resurrection, he has invited us into that community of divine love so that we can share in the love of the Father. He's, he, through the cross, he's, he's brought us all close. He's knocked down all the barriers that separate us as human beings that we put up. Ethnicity, socioeconomic divisions, us, them, the other. He's knocked all those down to, to bring us back together as his children and to open a way to be in relationship with the Father, to let us know that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Through the cross, through Jesus, we're empowered and led by the Spirit. We're drawn closer to the Father. We're drawn closer to the Son. As we love God and love others, when we're close to one another, God is close to us and we're drawn closer to God. So there are many parts. It's part of the, the, the beauty of this wonderful Closer series that Pastor Sheridan has, has called us uh, to explore. But this morning we've just explored one way to intimacy with God, and that's intimacy with our brothers and sisters. In dark periods and lonely times, on the sun-drenched mountaintops and in the darkest valleys, such one another fellowship, as I've described, has been an incredible means of grace to me. Where I've experienced God's grace and love, presence and power, I've heard Christ speak. And so my prayer for us this morning, whānau for us online, brothers and sisters, as you're watching at home, or wherever you may be, is that as you catch up with your fellow brothers, sisters, in intimate fellowship, as you turn your faces to one another in loving care and welcoming embrace, that you too can hear God's voice and experience His grace, His presence, and His love. I remember the story of a young kid, storms, thunder, lightning, he's scared, he runs into his parents' bedroom, and... And he's, he's getting a hug from mum and dad. And they say, hey, look, you know Jesus is with you, eh? And he says, yeah, I know, but sometimes I just needed Jesus with skin on. <laughs> don't read the story. Too, don't take the story too far. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, that's part of it. We experience God's love through one another. As we draw closer with God, we draw closer to one another. As we're drawn closer to one another, we draw closer to God. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you have drawn close to us and that by your Spirit you call for us to draw near to you. Lord, help us to resist the evil one and draw near to you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, my brothers and sisters watching online. Help us, Lord. I pray for us to have, uh, that you would bring to mind, that you would uh, bring about uh, divine connections, Lord, with brothers and sisters where we can be helped and help each other to draw closer to you as we journey through life, coming closer to you. Help us, Lord, to live as your children, in this place. I pray that my brothers and sisters could have an identity that is secure in the fact that we are children of the living God.
that we could feel secure, that everything that we desire as, as human beings in this world would come from intimate fellowship with you, that you would grant us strength and guide us to be able to live in this world in a way that glorifies you. Bind us together with the cords of your unbreakable love, I pray, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be that city on a hill. Help us, Lord, to be salt and light in a world that is crying out for you. Lord, I pray in the words of the ancient prayer, these three things day by day we pray, that you would help us to see you more clearly, to love you more dearly, and to follow you more nearly day by day. And I wanna pray the words of the wonderful benediction that Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the love that loved this world so much that He sent His Son and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the nearness and the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, but also the fellowship that the Holy Spirit creates among your children. Be with us all. In Jesus' name. Oh Lord, be glorified. Lord, you alone have the words of truth. You alone, Lord. You alone. Hold us close. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us as, as brothers and sisters to, to link arms and, and encourage one another along the journey and along the way. Not to sit on the on the couch as spectators, Lord, but in the midst of the arena and the dust of the road of the journey, Lord to grit our teeth and to encourage one another along the way. We know that you're with us. We thank you. We love you. We pray be glorified in all that we say, think and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you, church.